Do you struggle with procrastination? Are there other things you know you need to be doing, but you just can't find the motivation to do them? Whether it's writing that paper or doing the laundry or even just making a tough phone call, a lot of times we struggle to do the things we know we ought to do. We're procrastinating, we're putting it off, we're delaying, we're deferring because it's just too hard to get the motivation up to do it. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Procrastination is a motivation problem. And so that's what I want to address in this week's episode. We're going to talk about motivation. How does it work? How do you get more of it? Let's get into it. Well, welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. Well, I've been looking forward to doing this episode. I've actually had it planned for several months now, and I'm finally getting around to doing it. This is such a big problem, procrastination. In fact, I often I'll ask questions uh, to my email newsletter readers, and I'll ask them, hey, what is your biggest productivity struggle? And people cite a lot of different things, but a lot of times it comes down to some version of procrastination or motivation. I just can't get myself to do the stuff I know I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> they sound a lot like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, who says, you know, the, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do. And it's like this frustration with ourselves. And and really, there's a lot of components to this, and we're not going to be able to hit them all in this episode. But I do want to do a deep dive on motivation. How does this thing work? And so what we're going to be talking about in this episode is really something I've discovered is a great way to think about motivation. And it actually helps me when I feel myself procrastinating to sort of identify exactly where the problem's coming from and address it directly. And so we're going to be talking about something called the motivation equation. But before we jump into that, I did want to ask you one quick favor. If you are a fan of the show, I do think you'd probably benefit from my morning routine planner. This is completely free to you. Uh, if you go to redeemingproductivity.com morning, you can download it. That also signs you up for my weekly email newsletter in which I share uh, different resources on productivity from a Christian worldview. That is also free, just my gift to you guys. So if you are wanting to get more motivated with your mornings, this is literally the resource that you should start with. It'll walk you through a plan, developing a short morning routine, and actually carving out the time for it every single day. So check that out, redeemingproductivity.com slash morning. Halfway through writing my last book, I hit a wall. So what had happened was I'd set up time for myself every morning where I was supposed to be writing, but I would often find myself at this midway point, unable to even open the manuscript, much less write. Instead, what I'd be doing during this time is I would do almost anything else. I'd be tidying up my work area. I'd be um, looking at some other project to work on, or even other times I was coming up with ideas for other books when I had one that I was under contract for that I wasn't writing. I was procrastinating. I was doing anything to avoid the thing that I ought to be doing. And as I said in the introduction, it really is, it's a motivation question. Because as I, as I think deeply on this, why do I procrastinate when I do? And why is it always about the stuff that I really should be doing? And I just can't get over that mental hurdle. It's motivation. 
motivation is missing. If I had a little more motivation, I could overcome the pain of it, overcome that hurdle, uh, the resistance of not wanting to do the thing and just do it. And so as I've really thought a lot and read a lot about how motivation works, I've come up with, I think this is original to me, but I call it the motivation equation. And what it is, is it's just a really simple formulation that explains how motivation works so that we can kind of reverse engineer it and discuss the different components and identify exactly which one we're struggling with at the moment. So let me grab, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I'm going to grab my little iPad here. I'm going to write this like a little whiteboard. So here's the equation written out. Motivation equals reason times plan minus pain. Motivation equals reason times plan minus pain. So it is, it's written like a math equation. So what does this mean exactly? So we're talking about this equation. These are really the different variables that are at play. And so we could express this in a sentence instead. So really what we're saying is, um, if I was going to put this in a sentence, I would say, I want to accomplish X task because blank reason by doing plan in spite of pain. This is going to become more clear as we address a couple examples of it. But the idea is every task you undertake in order to have enough motivation to actually do it, you've got to deal with these different elements. You've got to de deal with what's your reason for doing it. That's your why. What's your plan? That's your how. And what's the pain? What's the, the source of friction that is making it difficult to do? And this is often the first place you start when you feel yourself procrastinating about something is you're like, why am I procrastinating? Like any equation, motivation can be positive, it can be negative, or it could be neutral. And so that is all going to be a result of your reason, your plan, and the pain. That's what's going to result in you having a positive, a negative, or a neutral motivation. So obviously, when motivation is neutral, the thing you're trying to do is more difficult. Like if you come out with a zero, the, you may be able to overcome that that pain still just with sheer willpower. But when motivation is negative, you're going to find yourself actively avoiding that obligation. And it's going to feel almost painful to try to do the thing you're supposed to be doing. So then you're going to defer, you're going to delay, and you're going to procrastinate. And so ideally, what we want to do is find a way to tilt motivation in our favor. We want the positive result to this motivation equation. And you can do this by tweaking each of these three variables, your reason, your plan, and your pain. And so let's go through this one by one, and we will address each of these variables so that this equation makes sense to you. And believe me, I know it sounds like math because I wrote it like a math equation. It's not that complicated once you wrap your head around it, and it truly is useful in your day-to-day -day life. So the first element we want to look at in the equation is actually the last one in the equation, which is pain. So again, for those listening, motivation equals reason times plan minus pain. So let's talk a little bit about pain. So any productive activity is going to have some degree of pain to it. What I'm, when I say pain, I don't mean physical pain necessarily. I mean, there's going to be some friction. There's going to be some resistance to doing it. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier just to sit and watch TV than it is to build something, than it is to do work, than it is 
to do most anything. And this, theologically, the reason for this is because our mandate to be productive um, from Genesis, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, this productivity mandate or the creation mandate is variously called, that was subjected to increased difficulty when man sins. So you look at Genesis 3, 17 through 19. This is right after Adam and Eve sinned, they ate of the fruit that uh, God had forbidden them to eat. And this is what God said. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the part I'm kind of zooming in on here, it's in bold if you're watching this on YouTube. It says, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. This is a curse on work itself. Work has been subjected to a curse. And you say, well, but some work is still fun. Like I like my job, right? Well, still, even though work is cursed, we still find work meaningful because we were designed for meaningful labor. Labor. We were created in the image of a God who creates and who is productive. So our work still is often satisfying. It's exciting. It's fun. But even the most fulfilling work in the world, we still can get our fingers pricked by those thistles and thorns of the curse. And so you feel that resistance. You feel that pain to your work. You just, there's some things you don't want to do. And so you just start putting them off, even though they're really important and you need to do them. And some days the pain of doing the work actually outweighs the desire to do it. And that's when procrastination comes. And so when it comes to our equation here, um, when we're talking about the pain side of it, right? The higher this number, the harder it's going to be to overcome with these two variables, the reason and the plan. So the, the more pain you have, the, more, uh, the, the less likely it is you're going to be motivated. But if your reason and your plan are strong enough, they can overcome this pain variable. So we're going to talk more about how you actually deal with each of these variables in a moment. I'm just trying to give you the big picture of how this equation works. So reason times plan minus pain. So just work it out with me just in terms of math for a second. Imagine you were trying to do something that had a pain factor of 10. It's something really, really difficult that you don't want to do. Maybe it's a, a meeting you're supposed to have with your boss that you need to schedule and you're just dreading it. It's a pain of 10. Well, unless you have a really good reason for it and hopefully a really good plan for how to do it, it's not going to overcome that. If you had a reason of one times a plan of one, but the pain was a 10, one times one is one minus 10, get a negative nine motivation there that is going to be really hard for you to overcome, right? So you need to tweak the variables. You need to find a way to up the reason and up the plan or decrease the, the pain of the thing. Again, I know we're talking like really theoretical here. This is all going to make a lot more sense. Um, we're going to jump into some examples here in the next one. So the next part of the equation I want to look at is we said motivation equals reason times plan minus pain. Let's deal with the reason question. This is the why of your motivation. So 
When I was in high school, I ran cross country and track my freshman and sophomore years. And to be honest with you, I did not like it. Running was painful. It's not super fun in and of itself. And I wasn't very fast. My motivation was incredibly low. And even ever since then, I've never really enjoyed running. But one of my friends recently in the past few years got into ultra running. He was somebody who's never been a runner, but now he does ultra running, which is more than marathons, like 50 milers, 100 mile races. And he does this as a hobby. And somehow he says he actually enjoys it. And now I don't think that running is less painful for him than it was for me. So what gives? What, well, how is it that one person could be so motivated to do something extremely painful while another person, me in this case, had less than zero motivation to do it? Like, I don't want to go running. I don't enjoy it. And so I think this brings us to the reason part of the equation and why this is so powerful. So if motivation equals reason times plan minus pain, and we're focusing here on the reason, this is the why. This is the big reason why you want to do the thing. And this is perhaps the biggest factor when it comes to motivation in any activity, whether it's doing the laundry or making a phone call or, or running an ultra marathon, whatever goal you have set for yourself, the why is really, really important, right? If you don't have a why, you're going to have no motivation. So it follows that if I don't have a good reason, I'm not going to have a strong motivation. I initially started running cross country in high school in the fall as conditioning for basketball in the winter. It was my freshman year. I was hoping I'd make the basketball team. And when I didn't make the basketball team in the winter, my reason for running completely just evaporated into thin air. And so the following fall, I, you know, just through inertia, I signed up for cross country again. And I started running again. And I just realized my heart is not in it. Like, why am I doing this? I remember having this, this conversation with my doctor, actually, I was going to my physical. And he's like, do you like running? I said, no. He goes, why are you doing it? And I went home and I said, why am I doing it? And I didn't have a reason anymore. I couldn't figure out why to do it. I didn't have a good reason. So I stopped doing it. The pain had outweighed the reason because I didn't have a reason. And so I quit running that year. I lost my why. But my friend who does the ultra running, he has a stressful job and those long, lonely runs, even though they're painful, they are sort of his time to process the day, burn off some of that stress. And he's, he's gotten good at it. He's, he likes the challenge. He likes to see himself um, reaching these different goals and getting better and better. And he just enjoys it. It's a fun hobby for him, even though it's painful. So my motivation equation for running was a zero reason times I guess I had a good plan because I was just doing what the coach told me to do minus the 10 of running. So we did zero times five. That's still zero minus 10. I had a negative 10 reason for running. You take my friend who's doing the ultra running. His reason is a 10. He loves it. He really enjoys it. He likes the challenge. He likes the stress. Um, even if he had a, a lesser plan than I did, and we'll talk more about plan in a moment, his plan, his reason's a 10, his plan's a three minus a 10 for pain. So we both have the same pain level. His reason you see multiplied. So he's a 30 uh, positive minus a 10 negative equals a 20. So you guys are listening and you're not watching the video. I'm sorry. I'm writing on a whiteboard as we talk about this. So if you to put this in a sentence, I would say I will run because blank. I literally didn't have a reason in spite of I knowing how hard it is. 
My friend, though, would say, I will run because it makes me feel better after a long day. It gives me a clear goal to work towards in spite of how hard I know it's going to be. Same pain, same issue, clearer reason. And that's what motivates him to do it. His reason was greater than the pain. And so I think recognizing the power that your reason for doing whatever you're doing plays in motivation is a just massive unlock. It means that if you can give yourself a good enough reason for doing something, it doesn't matter how hard it is or how difficult, you will still have the motivation for doing it. But there's still one more factor, and I think this one's important. Having a strong reason is really, really important, but it's not enough on its own. So we're going to talk about the plan part of this in just a second. But before we do that, I wanted to share a quick word from this week's sponsor. And now for a word from this week's sponsor. Do you know what the most powerful productivity tool I've ever used is? It's called timeboxing. Timeboxing is a simple method whereby each day you take your most important tasks and you actually schedule them onto a calendar. So instead of hoping you get them done, you actually plan when you will do them. But there is a problem with timeboxing. If you've ever tried to do timeboxing using a digital calendar like a Google Calendar, you know how frustrating it can be. And that's why for years I've actually done timeboxing on a piece of paper. That is until I recently discovered Sunsama. Sunsama makes timeboxing seamless. Each day, all I need to do is add all of my items into Sunsama. Meetings for my calendar, tasks I need to do that day, and Sunsama helps me automatically schedule them to my calendar. It even walks you through these little prompts so you don't forget any steps along the way. Probably one of my favorite features in Sunsama is how easy it is to bump things to the next day, and it will just magically migrate on your calendar as well. It's almost like having a little digital personal assistant. You can try Sunsama today. It is free to try, and there's no credit card required when you sign up. I really think you're going to like it. Now, let's get back into the show. If you do want to try Sunsama, there is a link in the description or the show notes, depending where you're listening or watching this. I really like it. I think you are going to like it too. Check it out using the link in the description. Okay, so we have been talking about the motivation equation. And we're saying that motivation equals reason times plan minus pain. So we've talked about the pain. We said pain is the, the resistance. It's the um, difficulty that comes with doing the thing. Uh, the, the reason is your why. So a really good reason can often overcome uh, even a lot of pain. But I hear you objecting right now. You're saying plenty of people start off with good reasons for doing something, but they still find themselves lacking motivation to actually follow through. I mean, how many times have you said, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through this year so I can be closer to God. So I can be closer to God is a great reason, a really powerful reason. And, and, and read the Bible all the way through. That's great. Um, I'm going to lose 20 pounds so I can be healthier for my family. Another good reason for doing that goal. I'm going to finish that project so I can help my company. Okay. Great reasons. Great reasons. But even if your reason for doing something is really good, you can still find that the pain of doing it outweighs the why. You can still find yourself procrastinating. And that's because reason is not the only positive contributor to your motivation. Motivation equals reason times plan minus pain. So that's what I'm going to talk about is the plan part of this. 
So the first thing I want to point out about this is it does not say reason plus plan, right? It's not a plus. No, it is a multiplication thing. And the point of that is your reason is a multiplier of your plan and vice versa. And so, for example, if your reason were a 10 and your plan were a zero, that still equals zero. And so a lot of people will start out with a really good reason for doing something, but they end up not sticking with their goals and they start procrastinating on them because they haven't actually slowed down long enough to make like a really specific plan that accounts for the obstacles you're going to be facing, having a great reason by itself. Yes, really, really important. But a plan is a force multiplier for your good reasons. And so when we attach a plan to a really good reason, something incredible happens. We start to see that everything explodes. And so let's look at an example of this. Let's look at the example of Bible reading. So let's say that your reason, we'll call that a 10. It's because you want to get closer to the Lord. You are excited. You want to grow in your faith. You want to honor him. You want to know what his word says. That's great. So it's a 10. Um, and the pain of doing this is kind of high. We'll put it at a five just because it's hard to wake up early. It's hard to actually do this. It's easy each day, but to do it consistently for a year. Yeah, that's, there's some friction to that. Now, a lot of times people fail at this. And because their plan is a zero, they don't actually know uh, not only when, what they're going to read, they don't know when they're going to read. They don't follow a Bible reading plan and they don't have a time in their schedule for when to do it. And so like we've shown before that nets out to zero minus five. So then you don't follow through. And so obviously this can throughout the year follow kind of a curve where at the beginning of the year you feel really motivated and then it falls off. And that's because some of your willpower gets lost and you forget your reason and it just, it can't overcome the problem of having not a good plan for doing it. And so your motivation, though, is going to look a lot more powerful if instead of a zero, you plugged in a plan that was a 10. And what do I mean by a plan that's a 10? I mean a plan that's detailed, that has a specific outcome. You've picked a time and a place for it. We talk a lot about this in uh, my course, Goal Setting and the Glory of God, how you actually do this. Another resource too, I mentioned earlier in the show, the morning routine planner, you can grab that for yourself too. Um, that's going to help you make at least the time and place elements of, of a lot of really healthy habits like Bible reading easier for you. But if you have a Bible reading uh, thing, your motivation, if it's 10 times 10 minus five, this is, this illustrates the real power of it. 10 times 10 is a hundred. And then minus five, that's so dinky in comparison. You've got a positive motivation of 95. Like that is what helps carry you through the year. It's not just that you have a good reason. It's that you have a good plan too. When you have a great reason paired with a great plan, you don't even think about the pain anymore. It just blows it out of the water. You stop procrastinating and you just do what you're supposed to do. You're motivated. Now, obviously there's going to be seasons again, where you ebb and flow and, and sometimes you're not feeling as motivated, but a lot of that's because you're not thinking about the reason enough. And that's another reason why when we talk about goal setting at Redeeming Productivity, we try to help you make that reason hyper clear and make it very, very visible. So you're always seeing it. So you're being reminded, this is why I'm doing this hard thing. And the other cool thing I think about the plan factor is that if you compare a great plan even with a so-so reason, 
you'll still find high levels of motivation because it's a multiplier. So that, that's why people who don't even have like really good reasons or really clear reasons for why they're doing what they're doing, but they follow a specific plan can do really well. Um, even on the running thing, again, a lot of people follow that couch to 5k thing. They don't know why they're doing it. They're like vaguely, I want to be healthier, but they're not sure why they haven't thought it through, but they just like, oh, I'll just do the thing it told me to do today. And so both of these things work together. The, the plan and the reason, if you focus on both of those together, you are going to go far. So don't forget about plan. Don't just focus purely on reason. It's reason times plan minus pain. That's the motivation equation. Okay. So there's a little bit more I want to share with you on this so that it, it, I just want to drive this point home because this has been powerful in my own life, to be honest with you. This has allowed me very strategically to ask myself some key questions when I'm facing motivation issues that um, have allowed me to overcome procrastination and actually get the thing done that I need to get done. So a lot of times people compare things that give you like a really powerful boost to rocket fuel. They'll say, you know, this strong cup of coffee is like a rocket fuel for your energy. And one thing though, that's often left out of this is, did you know that rockets need more than just rocket fuel to take off? So most of the time when we're talking about um, combustion on earth, things that burn up here use oxygen and not just a fuel source. It's true of if you're burning wood, if that's a fuel source or your, your internal combustion engine in your car, it doesn't just consume fuel. It needs oxygen. But on earth, the oxygen is provided by, it, it's just in the atmosphere. But in space, no one can hear you scream. Well, no, that's not the line. In space, there is no oxygen. It's a vacuum, right? So in addition to fuel, rockets need something else. So let me draw a picture of a rocket for you. I think this is a really great illustration of the motivation equation. Hopefully it helps it stick in your mind. So what is it that keeps a rocket on earth? Uh, uh, gravity, right? Rockets stay on earth because gravity is holding it down. And so in our equation, pain is the gravity. If, if the goal of the rocket, if it, if that's, you know, my goal, whatever I'm trying to get to, I want to get out of the, the gravitational force here and get to where I'm going. But the, the pain, that's the gravity that is holding me down. It's exerting its downward force. So how am I going to break free from this? How am I going to exceed uh, the, the, the gravitational pull of the pain? Well, we're going to need rocket fuel, right? That's, that's one thing to start with. And that is a rocket has a little tank on it and it's got fuel. In our case, I think the fuel is the reason. This is your why I'm doing. This is why I focus so much, by the way, on the glory of God. I think that's the most powerful reason for anything in the world. It's literally what you were designed for. You were created to glorify God. And so it really does follow that in anything where you're trying to live a God-glorifying, productive life, that the top reason, the top of the pyramid uh, of, of everything is going to be God's glory. So reason is the rocket fuel. That's the thing that's going to help you actually take off. But reason is not alone. So rockets have what's called an oxidizer. This is the thing in addition to rocket fuel that helps them to take off. So since they can't draw their fuel from or their oxygen from the Earth's atmosphere, they've got to bring their own. And so um, rockets will have an oxidizer tank in on board with them. And so that would be some sort of oxidizer. They say that because it's not necessarily just like 
gas, I mean, I don't think it's ever been just gas oxygen. It's something that, that functions as oxygen. And these two things mix together to create the thrust. So for us, that's the plan. And that just as when you ask like somebody who doesn't know about rockets and there's any rocket scientists listening to this and they're like, you explained that wrong. Well, I don't know much about rockets either, but I do know that I think <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that that is a missing component. I mean, you get like a model rocket or something. You're like, why can't this leave the Earth's atmosphere? Maybe if I just had more fuel. No, it doesn't matter how much fuel you give it. You can't just do it with fuel. You need fuel and an oxidizer. You need more than that to create enough thrust. And that's the incredible thing about the motivation equation is if you have a really powerful reason combined with a whole powerful plan, you are going to take off. You are going to the moon, my friend. Motivation is a combination of having a good reason and a good plan. They're, they're both so solid that they overcome the pain of not doing it. And just imagine what happens if you combine a powerful reason and a powerful plan. You take off. That's the power of the motivation equation. And the last thing I just want to touch on here is, okay, what do you actually do with this? How do I tip the equation in motivation's favor? I mean, it's one thing to theorize and talk about, oh, here's a cool way to think about motivation. What do you do with this practically? Because I'm not telling you to get out a calculator or to get out a notepad and write this stuff down every time you're faced with procrastination. but Having the concept as a whole in your head, I, I think is helpful. And so here's how you actually use this knowledge to get you motivated. Personally, when I am running up against a motivation wall, there are really just three questions I ask myself. The first is, what about this is so hard for me? Like what, when I'm procrastinating, why am I not doing it? And it often, when I ask these questions, I realize that there's not really a very good reason. It's blown up in my head, the pain factor. And so there's things you can do about that. The second question is, why is it important that I do this? So you're asking yourself about your reason. You're really question yourself. Why is this important? Often, if you can articulate that, you will have more motivation. And third, I ask myself, what exactly will I get this? And the third thing I ask myself is what? And the third thing I ask myself is how exactly will I get this thing done? And that forces me to write out a plan. So three simple questions. What about this is so hard for me? That's the pain. Why is it important that I do this? That's the reason. And three, how exactly will I get this thing done? That's the pain. And you can tweak each of these areas. Once you, once you ask those questions and you kind of have clarity in your head, then your question is, okay, how do I minimize the pain of doing this thing, right? How do I minimize the pain? Um, sometimes, like I said, it's as simple as, recognizing that you've way overblown the pain part in your head. I do this all the time because I'm a millennial with phone calls. I hate making phone calls. I don't know why. I don't know what happened to me in childhood that makes me fear phone calls, but I just don't like doing it. And so I'll put off important calls for so long and it, in, like it's some big ordeal. But nine times out of 10, I end up, I make the call, it takes five minutes. I check that thing off my list that's been nagging me for six months. It's like, why did I do that? And so sometimes um, getting motivation or feeling, procrast feeling like you're procrastinating is as simple as rethinking, is this really as painful as I think it's going to be? The second thing you can do is maximize your reason. So sometimes you'll notice that the problem is with your reasons for doing the thing. It's simply not big enough. And so I go back to the weight loss example a lot. A lot of times people set out to lose weight and their reasons are just not very big. Like their reason is like, I want to look better. I want to feel better. Like those aren't necessarily bad reasons to lose weight, right? 
but they're not big reasons. And it's better if you can connect your goals to how they serve other people. So the example of, so I can be around for my kids when they get married. I don't want to be unhealthy and and die young because of obesity. So I'm going to try to get in shape here. Or you can go nuclear with, like I said earlier, the best reason of all, I want to do this because I want to glorify God by being a good steward of my body. Really powerful reason, really powerful reason. And so connecting your um, goal with like the first and second greatest commandment, as Jesus uh, stated them, right? Love, love your neighbors yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I mean, we, uh, I flip-flopped them. The number one is loving God. But if you can connect your goals to these ultimate reasons, the, the reason you're here, now you've turned your tiny goal into a mission of cosmic importance. That's going to be motivating. And here's the crazy thing. If all of our lives are to be an act of worship to God, then there are reasons that are 100% legitimate. You're not just making these up. There are ways you can connect any of your goals back to that ultimate goal of serving others and serving God. And when you do that, not only do you have a ton more motivation to do it, you're actually bringing your life more in alignment with what God has called you to be. And so it's a lot more powerful than you might think um, to do this. And so I think it's really wise, really try to maximize the reason. The last thing I'll say is you also want to maximize your plan. So minimize the pain, maximize your reason and maximize your plan. As I alluded to earlier, usually the big problem people have is a lack of a plan. A lot of folks that come to me in Redeeming Productivity, they have a great reason. They're like, I love what you're doing. I love that you talk about glorifying God with your life, but why, why can't I do it? Why, why does it seem I'm just like stuck at motivation? Because you don't have a plan nine times out of 10. You might have a great reason and you might have an accurate appreciation of the pain involved, but if you haven't laid out a plan for yourself to follow, your motivation is going to be hard to stack up. Don't skip that step. Don't forget the oxidizer and just have rocket fuel or you're not going to be able to blast past the pain. Well, I hope that wasn't too heady for you as we're talking about rockets and equations and math. Uh, Hopefully you grasp the concept a little bit. Motivation is not a mystery. There are things you can do to increase your motivation. And the really amazing thing is when you do this the way that I've outlined, you will at the same time also be connecting your plans with God's purposes. And so you actually will be living a more God-glorifying life. Appreciate you guys listening. I will see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this, that in whatever you do, do it well, do it all for the glory of God. 